Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where we like easy mode sometimes. Um, I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. I pretty much like easy mode all the time these days. That's okay. That's okay. Um, today we're talking about playing games the way that you want to play them. So what kicked this off was over the weekend, they launched the Summer Games Done Quick stream, which is basically like the biggest speed running event of the year. And somehow it didn't show up on my radar until they started. So I caught it in the middle of the first game they were streaming. And I sent it over to Beige. And you had never seen this before, right? I'd never heard of this. I was actually really embarrassed. And I haven't told you this before now. But I've been following a lot of the track and field running events that are the summer games that are going on before the Olympics that are coming up. And you send me a message that says, hey, have you ever seen speedrunning before? The summer game speedrunning? I was like, yeah, I have. And you said, it's just crazy what some of these guys can do. This is, you know, it's really impressive. And I'm like, yeah, it's really crazy impressive what they're doing. It's like, where are you streaming this from? And you told me Twitch. I was expecting YouTube or NBC.com or something like that because I was expecting like track and field stuff. (laughs) I didn't know that. So when you told me Twitch, I was like, oh, he's talking about game speed running. So I pulled it up and I played it cool. Like I knew what you were talking about. But no, I'd seen some speed running before, but I had no idea that like there was this kind of culture around it. That's because amazing. I was expecting to watch a bunch of really fast runners like do relay races like I've been watching uh, before this as everything's been going on. But no, it was Mario. And that's honestly a little cooler. Yeah. So if you don't know, speedrunning is basically trying to complete a game from beginning to end as fast as possible. It's really cool, especially Summer Games Done Quick. And there will definitely be a show note link to Summer Games right. Done Quick because the stream is going all the way through Saturday, July 9th. So as you hear this, there'll still be a couple days it's going on. And I'm sure they post their backlog. They always post all the ones that they did um, after the event. I've been hearing people in the comments say that, or as they read the stuff, saying that they've been catching up on archives. So it'll be posted at some point. Yeah, they get them up on YouTube and on the Twitch archives. So basically, speedrunning is finishing games as fast as you can. And it's really fun to watch this particular stream because they have somebody doing the speedrun, but they always have at least one other person, but usually two or three other people sitting on the couch behind them with microphones talking about the game as they're speedrunning it. So they say why they're doing what they're doing or these glitches that they've worked out that, hey, I can skip this whole level if I do this glitch. Here's how the glitch works. Here's why it's really hard. Here's why it's interesting. Here's the history behind the glitch and who figured it out. So you get all of this context while the person who's actually doing the run can like kind of stop and concentrate because they have these other commentators behind them. And I love that about this. It is really, really cool. When I figured out what was going on with the setup, because you sent me the link and I just pulled it up and started watching, figuring this out for myself as they're talking and listening, Listening, really just it just enthralled me because I'd never seen anything like it that I was amazed at how much these people were sitting on this couch behind this game player you know like all of us have done either when we're kids or you know in college or you know right now when we watch people play games but they're so engrossed in it that they that they are very impressive with the knowledge that they have on exactly how these glitches came about, who did it, like you said, just the knowledge that they have about it. It's really impressive. It's really cool. And I'm surprised, like, how active of a subculture it is. Like, it seems like something that I might be interested in if I had the time, if I wasn't married with the kids and a job. Like, if I had the time to devote to this, it could be fascinating. But, you know, 
Like maybe when I retire, I don't know. <laughs> but how do you do it? How would you get into it? Because they seem to be good at one game. And I mean, to beat to beat one of these games this quickly, you have to practice on it maybe exclusively do you do more than one game do you get involved in more than one culture like i know nothing about how these little sub communities or these sub communities work but how do they how do you get good at it do you just play mario mario sunshine do you just play link between worlds or do you switch back and forth and pretty much master one game at a time and move forward and then you know you have all of them that you can do just the amount of muscle memory and things you have to remember just seems so intense about any of these yeah, I mean, so everything I know, I know from watching these streams, like there's Summer Games Done Quick. I think they might do another Games Done Quick event every year, like in the winter. It might be Winter right. Games Done Quick. I don't remember off the top of my head. But things like this and like the Mario Marathon, and there's a couple other ones out there too. Um, and basically they've said you find a game that you're super passionate about that you love in the first place, just playing it normally. And you devote yourself to that game. And that is the one game that you learn how to speed run. And people who play a game like that and they master it over the course of years might eventually venture out into another game or long term like a couple other games but you're not going to be in the speedrunning community speedrunning 10 different games or 20 different games like that's not how it works you know i i think it's mostly what you said yeah just focusing on one because this guy who was doing super mario sunshine was so ridiculously good at it that I completely understand why they were using that as the kickoff event for this because of all the ones that I've been watching and just keeping it on in the background. I think I've been most impressed with Mario Sunshine that it is just because of the way that the person was playing it and that that he really wasn't pressing buttons wrong at all and you could tell. Yeah, most of the Mario games, uh, most of the 3D Mario games are very, very impressive to watch speedrun because yeah. they've found these glitches over the years and they have an active community. Like you're talking about the first one they had, which was the Mario Sunshine on GameCube run. And it's like they were talking about new strategies for levels that somebody had discovered last month. You know, these guys are actively playing and trying to break the game in new ways to get the fastest record in the world. Like now, you know, they're in the forums right now working on it. And that's just amazing for me, like how active their community is at the moment. And that's something I had no idea. I did not know that this existed, that these these sub communities, that these these subcultures existed right now that they were playing these older games that they go all the way back to at least the NES. But do they go into anything before that with things like, actually, I guess I know they do because I know that they run through adventure on the Atari 2600, that there are speed runs of it, that there, that it's in the seconds, I believe is what, how quickly someone can beat it. Yep. And back to like arcade games too, like um, 70s and 80s arcade games, they'll go back to those type of things too. So Do they really? Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's the whole history of video games is covered here. And there are games that make for better speed runs than others, but it tends to be the ones that people are passionate about, the things that like we remember, which is really cool right. to see this game that you painstakingly defeated over the course of weeks or months in your childhood and see somebody destroy it in half an hour. Like it. Yeah. It blows you away, you know? That's the way I was feeling with Mario Sunshine. 
when I was watching it, I immediately started feeling like I was in my in the house that I was in in college, sitting and playing Mario Sunshine. And I had this immediate feeling, that kind of sense memory of just how the atmosphere that it gave me of playing this and having my friends around. But he was so much better at it than I ever was. Like things I had seen about that game and that I hadn't thought about in, what did it come out in 2003, that I haven't thought about in 13 years. It was suddenly amazing and I could have probably hit the buttons on the controller myself to do what he was doing like not as well but just performing those actions it just it was amazing how much that came back and how I was just enamored by it and it's it's cool to see that a lot of people are following it you know and to see how many people are actively watching the stream because like when you hit the homepage of Twitch um, and then you click one level into games, you basically sort by games and it gives you like the games that have the most people watching right now, mm-hmm. which is almost always dominated by things like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm, Hearthstone, Counter-Strike, these games that are like the mainstays. And when they were running Metroid Prime for the Summer Games Done Quick, Metroid Prime was the number one ranked game simply because of their particular feed. Like their stream oh, bumped it all the way up to the top. And it, it's so cool that so many people were watching, you know? That is, I would have been watching Metroid Prime 2. I missed that one. I didn't know they were streaming it. That was one that I completely did not get to see. And I wish I had. So I've watched a bunch of streams like this before. It, well, this one specifically before. Summer Games Done Quick. I, I always try to make some time to watch the ones that appeal to me the most, you know, even though right. it's like seven days straight now. But you haven't really watched speedrunning before, right? That's no. kind of what you told me. What do you think? No. How do you feel about it after just watching a couple days worth? I am incredibly impressed by the amount of by the amount of dexterity these people have in their hands. The amount of things that they can hold in their brains at the same time. I am terrible at games where you have to hit everything exactly perfectly. Like Guitar Hero, I I physically cannot play this game on hard, that my hands are too small, and even on medium, my fingers will not hit everything perfectly accurately. I have a horrible a horrible rate of er- errors when I'm typing. The idea of being able to do this astounds me, the physically being able to do it. And then just the amount of time. I don't understand, because I play so many different games, because I do so many different things, I have a really hard time understanding how you just sit down and in your free time, this is what you're going to do. This one thing is I'm going to get as good as I possibly can at running Mario Brothers 3. That 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 is an alien concept to me because I bounce between so many different things that that I'm impressed that someone has that kind of focus and dedication to it. Yeah, and I I think that there are different levels of like how much dedication it takes. It definitely takes dedication. There's no question about that. And I think it's a level of time commitment that neither you or I have at the moment. Like we just don't have that much free time. But in watching some of these streams, there are games that are being run like Skyrim, right? Like these epic RPGs (laughs) or... um, Things like, you know, I one of the streams I really liked uh, was the Zelda Link Between Worlds one. But there are these long RPGs that are being run, right? And even in a speed run, it might take an hour or two hours mm-hmm. or uh, some of them go up to like three. Or I don't think any of them yeah. in this particular season um, go up to like four or this particular stream. But then you look at other games like Super Mario 3, which you were talking about. That one can be speedrun in like three minutes, maybe four minutes. 
it's not a whole lot of time. So I think like your entry-level games, if you're trying to get into it, you would pick a game like that, a game that can be beaten. If you can do it perfectly, you can beat it in less than four minutes, right? You wouldn't start off with a game that's going to take you four hours if you can perfect it, because that means that's that true. when you don't perfect it, how much time are you spending? Yeah, because you're still spending, you know, 40 hours a week to to train to get that four hour run. You run through it 10 times or something. I'm I'm still amazed. I watched the Zelda Link Between Worlds and I actually got really bored during that one. I think that's just not the kind of game that I I like the fast paced ones. It wasn't very fun for me to watch that one. And I'd never realized that it wasn't fun for me to watch Zelda games before that. I think that's what it was because I like playing them so much. Did not enjoy watching that one. Very, very odd. And it's interesting to see which ones you lean towards because it seems like there are some games that everyone can appreciate, like Mario. Like almost all of the Mario games, you put anyone down in front of it, as long as they have a good commentator, like that person can get interested in the game, even if they're not a gamer, you know? Yeah. But then there are games like I thought the Link Between Worlds one was awesome. I really liked it. But that's because I have beaten that game and I wanted to see the ways they broke it and the ways they approached it. And I don't think you played that game at all, did you? No, I'd never touched it. And that was, I think that's, that. I think you're absolutely right because my favorite one outside of Mario Sunshine, which I did play through, was Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. This game was one I spent a lot of time on when I when it came out, when it was new, and I loved it. I loved almost everything about this game. I loved the systems and and just the way that it played. So for them to say that it's possible to beat this game in nine minutes when I'm spending, you know, dozens of hours on it, I was intrigued. I was gonna sit down and I was gonna watch it. And I think it took him half an hour because he beat all of the bosses instead of skipping the ones that were not absolutely necessary. But I'd beaten it, I'd seen it, and I love these kind of Metroidvania games, so any of them that were quick, because I had to invest so much time in them, I was just amazed by. So I was going to watch it, and you're right, I think it's because I've already beaten them and, and know what's in there that I can appreciate it more. Yeah, I think that games that you have personally beaten make for really good ones to watch. And then there's this whole other category of games that are just fun to watch speedrun. Like if you've ever watched Dishonored, that's a really good one. Or like I said, the Mario games. But then there are also ones in that category that have like a crazy glitch in them where there's a mechanic in the game that was never intended to be there. But speedrunners have found it and have learned how to abuse it and break it. And that's what makes the game fun to watch. So like... I didn't see it on this year's schedule, but I think last year's schedule had Prince of Persia Sands of Time, and there okay. was a mechanic they could do by like doing a certain string of attacks and then using the sand dagger, which does this little rewind thing, and it basically tricked the game into thinking that the player had a ton of momentum when they didn't, and it let them jump forward in ways oh. that would break the game. And that was very fascinating to watch just because of the mechanic, purely because of the glitch that they used to break that game in every way possible. And I've exploited glitches before. That That is why this is so foreign to me, is I've exploited glitches in games, but it was always... It was always so that I could have fun with it. It was always to kind of sandbox it or play around with it rather than try to move through it to the end. I was a a savoring kind of gamer rather than a moving directly to the end. So the idea of speedrunning with a glitch never 
it never entered my mind. It was just like, oh, there's this glitch where I can, you know, propel myself forward. Now I'm going to jump on everything. It was, that's where my mind would go rather than, oh, I can skip through all of this content. That would not have even entered my mind in a single player game. Right. Well, the first time that we're sitting down to play a game, you're not going to play it to skip content, right? That's right. why these guys are super passionate about their game. Like they know it and they love it. And that's why they want to break it and find the world record for it in whatever way they can. But they still like love the game as at its core as a casual run. Like if you didn't love the game, I don't think there's any way you could like spend the time to learn how to speed run it. Yeah, there's there's absolutely not. I could not. There are a lot of games I've played that I am I'm done with and I have no desire to go back. But I see things like Mario Sunshine. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could speed run this. And it's like, no, no, I can't. I'm not that good at anything in my life that I could do that. <laughs> well, and the other thing I wanted to mention with the glitchiness and stuff, um, did you notice that a lot of the versions they use are the Japanese versions of games? If you hadn't told me why, I would I honestly thought it be was because they were kind of stuck up and just being pretentious and being those gamers. Right. And like, they're not. Oh, I play the Japanese versions of these games because I'm, I play the Japanese versions. Mm. And it's... Uh, that those I thought they were those people, and so I judged them at first, and I'm sorry. That's what I thought, too, until one of the years on stream, someone explained it. The reason they use, they don't always use the Japanese version, but the reason that most of the games are run in the Japanese version, well, there's two reasons. Number one is that Japanese characters take up less text space than English words. So yes. you have less text boxes to click through in a game because it's so much more compact, which saves you time. The second reason is that games come out in Japan first, so they are more glitchy because in the time that it takes between a game releasing in Japan and a game getting localized for the rest of the markets around the world, they've caught and fixed so many glitches that if you play a version that came out in, say, North America, you're not going to be able to exploit the same glitches necessarily as you could in the Japanese version. Yep, which is why you don't go back and play a remastered version of something like this because it's had, you know, 15 years worth of updates where people found it, they patched the glitches, and then, you know, you're not going to speedrun Final Fantasy VI Advance or the iPhone version of it. You're going to play the Super Famicom version and run through. Yeah, I just, it's so fascinating to me. I've, I love watching it once or twice a year. And, especially with one like this where it's so organized that they have an entire schedule on their website and you can look through and kind of plan, oh, hey, I want to see, you know, three or four, maybe five speed runs this week. I don't need to sit down and watch the entire stream every single day for seven days straight. And I appreciate yep. that about it, too. And I appreciate that even though I look through the schedule and I see games that I look at and I'm like, I would never spend my time watching that at all. I can respect someone who likes it enough. that, And that's my whole thing, is if you like something, that you need to own it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. But if there is somebody who, who likes it and they're streaming it at 3 o'clock in the morning, that, you know, good for them for being willing and liking that game enough to be able to do that. And But even though I'm like, I would, I would rather be sleeping or eating or doing anything else than having to watch them speed run through Shaq Fu on the Super Nintendo. It, it's whatever it is. There are some games on there that are real stinkers too. Um, well, and some <laughs> of them are surprising because like 
if you know a bunch of your friends are watching this, you kind of tell each other, hey, if something interesting comes up, send me a text or send me a tweet or whatever. Mm. And one of my friends did that on Twitter. They said, are you watching this Catherine run right now? And I was like, no, I didn't really like Catherine as a game. I never got into it. I never got past the first level or two because it wasn't the kind of game for me. And they said, go watch this anyway. So I clicked over to it and the guy was speedrunning Catherine in two player mode, but it was one guy playing it. He had... <laughs> He had a, a controller. I think it was a PlayStation controller. It might have been Xbox um, in his hand. And then he had an arcade stick right underneath that. He was using both controllers simultaneously to control two different characters in a puzzle game at the same time to solve puzzles. That's impressive. It was and crazy. You, texted, you sent me the link. I immediately loaded it up. And by the time you had sent it to me, it had already ended. That I didn't get to see a single minute of it to see him doing that. Yeah, it was like a half an hour putting the controllers down. It wasn't that long of a run, but I want to go back and watch more of that one once it's in the archive. So yes, speedrunning is cool. That's what kind of got us on this topic of playing games the way you want to, because these guys want to play games as fast as possible and try to beat the world record and find the glitches. So if you're interested in that particular part of it, go watch Summer Games Done Quick. Like I said, it's streaming all the way through, I think, Saturday night, so... You have some time and when you're listening to this, most likely. Otherwise, you can go check out their archives. The other thing that was cool, if you just if you don't want to commit to a stream, if you don't want to sit down for half an hour, in prep for this, one of the speedrunners went on Stephen Colbert and he <laughs> I sh- I showed Beige this already. I love it. I laughing. showed my wife immediately before we started recording this, I had played it on the TV on YouTube to show her. <laughs> it was it's it's super good. So one of the speedrunners went on Stephen Colbert and he was like oh yeah i'm one of the speedrunners." you know they were kind of advertising for the stream because the stream is for charity and stephen cabrera said well you can run super mario 3 in about three and a half minutes that's three about, minutes eight seconds yeah that's about how long it takes um an olympic level track team to run in a mile in a relay and that's about how long it takes the average human to make and eat a hot pocket so they did a three-way race between stephen Colbert making and eating a hot pocket this speedrunner speed running the game in roughly three minutes and a track team that they had off location and it was just it's so funny so if you have six minutes of time we'll put that link in the show notes that's a really good onboarding place and they have they have it set up on the screen so that you see all three of them at the same time and there is an announcer a true sports announcer from cbs news announcing this like any other sporting event it is brilliant oh it's really good so speedrunning kind of got us onto this topic, but we also wanted to talk about other ways you can play games the way that you want to. So we had mentioned in one of the other podcasts, like playing games on easy, and we, we talked about it just for a minute, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit more, like the difficulty level that you pick when you're playing different games. So some people will go super hard and they play it on the most insane difficulty they can to try to master a game. And then other people play games on easy all the time. A lot of people just land on normal in the middle. So I wanted to ask you, Beige, have you played any games on super hard or easy? I don't play very much on super hard. Uh, I used to try to do stuff like that, and I just can't do it anymore. I don't I don't know if it is the lack of skill as a gamer that I have, lack of patience as a crotchety old man, or if it's, you know, that games are harder than they used to be, which I don't actually think is the case. But um, yeah, I play on easy 
I play on either normal or easy. Uh, I am there solely to have fun. My entire basis on super hard or easy is am I having fun with this? That if it is so hard that I'm ready to break my keyboard and just like I'm screaming profanity and banging on my desk... I'm going to lower the difficulty or I'm going to go into a different kind of mode if it's an on, if it's an online game or if it is just so easy already that I am bored as I'm playing through it that I'm just mowing through everything I'm like yep look at me I am hitting triangle again I am going to up the difficulty because it's obviously not keeping my attention and me having a good time and I'm not having a good time so I I adjust it depending on what it is so that the 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 standard I'm looking for is the subjective fun that I'm having. That's that's good to hear because that's definitely what I measure it by too. Um, I usually start out on normal and then I will tweak it if I need to. I don't typically go up to hard. Um, I don't really replay games and sometimes I start a game on normal and I say, hey, maybe if I beat this game, I'll bump it up to hard. But I don't replay that much so that doesn't actually yeah. happen even if i think it might but i do bump games down to easy a lot especially if it's a narrative game and i get invested mm-hmm. for the story but i don't love the gameplay of it then i have no qualms about putting it on the easiest a lot of the time now they call it like story mode or casual mode so it's not necessarily like easy it's like hey i want to experience the story but i don't really care about the gameplay so i've done a couple of those too and had a really good time with them and i don't I like things like that. I, I While I do think that calling it story mode as opposed to easy mode is kind of like vanity sizes at designer clothing stores, it, it's just like, oh, you can feel better about yourself because you're playing it through story mode rather than easy mode. It's like, oh, you can wear those pants because they're a size zero rather than a size one. It, it's just ridiculous. And... I don't like that kind of semantic stuff. They did it in Star Wars The Old Republic. They changed it from normal mode rating into story mode rating. And because people were complaining about normal mode and the difficulty and all of this, regardless of what they call it, it's all just going through for fun. It's to experience the game. And I'm right there. If it's a narrative game, then it is most likely going to get put down on easy if the game is has any kind of mechanic that I'm just terrible at. That makes it not fun for me. I, I totally get that. And if the game is about the mechanics and it's meant to be played on like a normal difficulty, I play it that way, you know? It, oh, yeah. It totally depends on the game. But that being said, have you... I know you like Fire Emblem, but have you played either of the last two? Because they do something no. very interesting. Okay, you haven't. No, I so, have not played anything since... Oh, man, it was years and years and years ago. It was one of the very first ones that was translated into English. Okay, so Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Fates, which are the two that came out on 3DS, um, okay. they did something really cool with their difficulty, and I wish more games would think about this. I mean, it wouldn't fit every game, but basically they have a difficulty rating is one of the things you can adjust, and the difficulty rating is fairly typical. It's like, I'm not going to get this right because I don't have it right in front of me, but it's something like this. You have easy, medium, hard, and insane, right? Those are your okay. difficulty levels. Makes sense. But you have a separate setting that has traditional mode casual mode and phoenix mode so these two things can be adjusted independently from one another so what it means is what well so like the way that i played these games for the most part i played on normal difficulty but i played on casual mode because if you play on traditional mode the game has permadeath and it infuriated me like i just i got so frustrated (laughs) with that game anytime one of your characters dies in the middle of a strategy battle you never ever get them back And I just hated that. Whereas casual mode, if a guy gets knocked out in the battle, they are gone for that battle, but they come back 
in between that and the next level. And then you get to use them again. You never really lose anyone. And I love that. So I didn't need the game to be easier and like the tactical level in the gameplay, but I didn't want it to be so punishing, you know, with your characters because I got so invested in the characters. You didn't want them to make it the George, the George R.R. R. Martin version of Fire Emblem. You just wanted Fire Emblem. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I mean, some people are purists and they want that. And the thing is, they left it in there for them. You can play on normal traditional mode or you can play on insane traditional. But the other cool thing is if you like you can customize it, right? So Phoenix mode is the other one on that secondary scale. Yeah, I was was just about. about to ask. Yeah. Phoenix mode means that if somebody is defeated, then the next time that your team's turn comes around, that person gets revived automatically. So if you wanted to like play on insane and you just couldn't do it but you really wanted to like get a feel for it you could turn on phoenix mode and you could still probably beat the game because your characters keep reviving for people who have been playing games for years like you and i it's probably not something we're ever going to need right but what if like one of our relatives that hasn't played a game in 10 years wants to play now you can put them on easy phoenix mode and they can beat the game And just see the story that's going on and experience that narrative and have a feel for it rather than feeling like, you know, that I've outgrown the entire the entire industry of gaming, the entire hobby of it. Yeah. Or feeling like it's just completely out of your reach because it's so difficult. You know, things that are easy to us are still hard to people who haven't ever played a game before. You know, there's this there's a learning curve that we forget about because we've been gamers for so long. There is. And that's something that that's something that I experienced with my wife is that she didn't grow up with any kind of gaming system. Her parents never had a gaming system. She didn't know how to do anything that we started when we started dating, I had Mario Kart Double Dash, and I taught her how to play video games by playing things like Mario Kart and the Wii versions of them that, that I'd had at home. And when we started playing New Super Mario Brothers, I take for granted that I've had a controller in my hand since I was two years old because at some, we stopped playing it together because it was co-op. Uh, multiplayer we stopped playing it together because that was one of the very few ways in the world that we get so mad at each other that we start screaming at the other one because it was we actually had to stop playing we got to world five i will never forget it we got to world five and we stopped playing on purpose not because we weren't having fun playing the game but because we weren't having fun playing the game together because our skill levels were so different because it was co-op if it were separated, like, you know, the first one where you take, you do this world, the other person takes the next one, it would have been perfect. But I take for granted that I'm good at Mario games. Well, at least as good as a person can be who hasn't played one in probably two or three years now can be, but growing up playing them. And her having never really touched any before, it's like all of it's brand new. Remember playing Mario? I don't remember playing Mario for the first time, but can you imagine playing a platform game for the very first time ever and having somebody who's been playing it since they were two be like, no, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. Jump over the pit! Do it! It's just that kind of thing. (laughs) Well, and see, I'm a parent, and I have been teaching my kids how to play games, so I have had to put up with people who are not good at playing games because they are two, you know? Yeah. Watching my kids develop over the past few years has been amazing, and now it's really fun to play most games with them, but there are still times where they want to play a co-op game, and it's just like, 
I can't like just play that with each other and I will watch because oh. like and you don't ever get like mad at your kids about it right like I've never course, yelled at my no. kids about a game but at the same time internally you just get frustrated when you're like oh just walk to the right I mean just walk to the right you know yep. and so sometimes it's better to let the two of them play co-op because they're closer in age to each other obviously that- um but yes, I understand your frustration coming at it from a different angle. So I like seeing different levels of, you know, difficulty in games. Oh, yeah. And I don't want you to think that I was yelling at my wife because she was screaming, like, I am jumping over the pit. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, we actually had to stop because we were yelling at each other. And it was like, this is this is actively harmful for our relationship. So Mario is bad for us. Wow. It's a two way street. It so, really was. It, But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think both of us appreciate having more options and game difficulty to select. Oh, I did. Well, I was going to say that one of the other things that I really like about changing difficulty and being okay with changing difficulty, not, not, you know, feeling bad about myself for doing it, is that it lets me play games that I know that I'm not good at. That there are games like Bioshock Infinite that I am very, very bad at first certain types of first person shooters, but I was able to dial down the difficulty on it and actually enjoy it completely. It's one of the best games I've played in years. I still love Infinite. But if I'd put that on normal or if I I did put it on normal or hard or, or if there's one higher than that, just watching the videos of it, I could not have played that game and enjoyed it that because I am so bad at it, that putting it on easy lets me play different kinds of games than I'm naturally good at or without putting in necessarily the hundreds or dozens of hours to get good at a new genre. Yeah, it's it's really nice that it opens up the possibility of more games, whereas if there was only one difficulty setting, like we would be excluded from certain games. Everybody out there would, right? Yeah. Nobody is good at every genre. So difficulty levels are a good thing to have. Even if you're not the one who's using it for that particular game, it's nice to have them out there. And then it kind of ties into the last thing we wanted to talk about, which is modding your games, right? It's one step beyond just this difficulty slider when you actually go and modify your game. And I used to do this a little bit when I was a kid, And then I backed off of it because the process of like finding a mod and installing it and maybe corrupting your save file or breaking your game and having to re-download it or wipe your hard drive. Like I did that enough times as a kid that as an adult, I just don't want to deal with it. And then I found out about Steam Workshop integration, which is within the last year or two here. And I'm just starting to dip my toes back in because it's so easy now. But what about you? Have you done a whole lot of modding lately or in the past? Lately, no. I don't. I've never been one to really like modding. I I modded my original PlayStation, but it's a different kind of mod. I did it so that I, <clears throat> never mind, I did it so that I might have been able to burn games from friends and do that with a mod chip, but not not anything software-wise. I actually have never liked it. it. To me, it's always felt like it defeated the purpose in a lot of these games, That that it felt to me like I was changing so much of it that I'm not playing the game that I bought anymore. If that makes any kind of sense, like it maybe sounds silly, but it's like I don't I've never liked doing that kind of thing just to just to mess around. And see, I I can understand that from one point of view. But then at the same time, we've gotten entire new game genres due to modding. Yeah. Things like Defense of the Ancients, which is Dota, which is now League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm and the official Dota 2 game. 
that came out of a mod from Warcraft 3. Like that yeah. entire genre of MOBA games came out of a mod from Warcraft 3. And if it did not support modding, that genre as we know it might not exist. Um, you have competitive shooters. Counter-Strike is a Half-Life mod. I mean, yeah, people it's a forget Half-Life that. mod. Yeah, but I mean, Counter-Strike is constantly held up as the pinnacle of, you know, first-person competitive shooting gaming. And it's it's a mod. I mean, it's not anymore. It's its own game, but it started as a mod. And so we get a lot of things from modding, even if we're not the ones doing it. And it's kind of been part of PC gaming culture for a long time, which is why I used to fool around with it a little bit. I always like the idea of mods that allowed you to create full content, kind of like the tools that allowed you to do uh, to do Counter-Strike. Uh, Neverwinter Nights was one of them that allowed you to do it with a complete mod of doing your own servers to host your own D&D campaigns and things like that. That always interested me, but that was more of player creation tools than full-on mods. And I mean, some of that stuff is now integrated through Steam Workshop, which is just it's amazing. Have you used any mods through Steam Workshop yet? No, not not a single one. Okay, so it's it's so easy now. You just go into your game on Steam. You click over to that tab. I think it's under like the community tab or something like that. And you can search for any mods in the game or you can just browse. You can just browse by most popular or most installed and there's a little button right next to it. It's not even called install. It's called subscribe. You just hit the huh. button to subscribe to a mod, and it just downloads it for you and integrates it with your game. If it's a mod that doesn't integrate perfectly, like you'll be able to tell from the reviews. Like It won't be near the top. You know, It might even have gotten kicked out of the system for breaking games. So like you don't have to worry about that part anymore. You just have to worry about which ones you want to pick and which ones you want to try. I know a couple friends of the show, you know, Rob from the Comic Box podcast and like Brax Wolf, who we talked about last week. Both of them are huge into Fallout 4 mods. Like I know I know Rob has totally gotten stalled out on the story mode of Fallout 4 because he's been playing with mods and having like a great time. Like that is the game to him lately is stacking mods and playing with them. And I've never done that with that kind of game. The only thing that I ever did with Skyrim was I downloaded a mod that allowed you to change your inventory because the original Skyrim, the original Skyrim inventory system is really, 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 really bad. Really bad. That's a lot of reallys. That's how bad it is. And for someone who doesn't like mods, I'm like, you know what I'm going to fix? I'm going to fix this inventory system and went and found one that that fixed it. But no, I've never, never done a lot. Even the cosmetic mods that we were all talking with Braxwolf and and Rob on Twitter that we had never that with the, where they're doing the cosmetic mods a lot. I never even considered it, other than high res textures and things like that. Yeah, well, and, I mean, you see images out there from gaming sites or from Reddit or whatever. Mm-hmm. People say, "Look, this is what the, like the Elder Scrolls Oblivion looks like now," or "Here's what Skyrim looks like with this particular mod stack." And it's staggering. Like, yeah, they just look beautiful. And you go, really? That game is the same game like with mods on it. So there are all these different types of mods out there. I mean, the thing that got me to kind of dip my toe back in was The Witcher 3. And I never got into Witcher 1 or 2, but Witcher 3 won so many Game of the Year awards and everyone was talking about it. And people know that I like a good RPG. They said, this is a great game with a great world. It's a good RPG. You'll like it. I was like, okay. I've heard it from enough people that I trust that I'll check it out. Yeah, I've heard really good things. Same thing, but I've never played any of the Witcher games, so I never picked up a, never picked up three because but I'd heard it's just magnificent. So I tried it and 
I love the world. I love the characters. Um, I liked like the developer's take on an RPG. I hated the battle system. And okay. the core of the game, not the core of the game, but a huge portion of the game is fighting monsters, right? Because you're right. the witcher, you go around defeating menaces and monsters that are roaming around the countryside. Okay. And I hated it. Like, I, I played the first hour and a half, maybe, straight up. Like, there's kind of this um, intro zone. It's almost a tutorial, kind of an intro. I beat all that normally, and I was just like, man, I like this character. I like this world. I want to see more of it. I don't want to play any more of this gameplay. So... I downloaded a mod that let me enable console commands. And so that's all it did. Let me pop up console commands. I entered the console <laughs> command to give my character enough experience to bump me up to max level within the ah. first two hours of the game. So I maxed out my level. I played the rest of the game that way, just waiting through combat. Never had to think about combat again. I just got to play the game and experience the world and the story. And I loved it. Okay. See, and that's that's the kind of thing that I've never done. And before when i was younger it would have been before i changed the difficulty on anything i would have just powered through like i know i hate this but the story's good and kind of like i couldn't get through final fantasy 13 because of the combat so i completely understand if there were a way to just watch everything in final fantasy 13 and i'm sure there is i mean i can do let's play streams of it and experience that story i would have done that because i hated the combat so 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 much so I totally understand modding it to do that. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I think modding is in a really cool place, especially now that Steam is starting to support it so much. And I, there are there are like other modding things too. Like um, Dwarf Fortress has a horrible like. Well, some people wouldn't say horrible. Some people like it. I do not particularly like the visuals of Dwarf Fortress. So every time I've tried to play that game, I make sure to download one of the texture packs so it completely okay. like reskins the game um otherwise it's basically unplayable to me i know some people can do it i just can't i understand that and i'm coming from a perspective as well where one of my primary experiences with mods is well is world of warcraft where the you're adjusting the ui and adding in functionality that the developers didn't originally include and they did it on purpose was to allow people to have the the tools to be able to to play the game as they wanted to but the ones that became the most popular, the ones that are the the staples of almost everybody who plays WoW, are DPS meters. And I've always hated DPS meters. I have always thought that they took the fun out of the game when all you're trying to do is make sure that you're maximizing your rotation. You're not actually enjoying the game and experiencing it and being immersed. And I've never been competitive and competitive enough for that, even when it comes to raiding and just trying to down the boss. I'm like, if we down the boss and we hit the minimum, you know, we're doing okay. But I hate getting yelled at and kicked out of groups because my DPS isn't high enough or whatever it is. And then when gear score was around, you were playing in Wrath of the Lich King, right? That's when you came in. Do you remember I the was, gear score ad? Yeah, now the, that you're bringing all on? this up, it's bringing back bad memories. I do not like this kind of mod either, but yeah, I, I know I what you're talking it. about. Gear score is one of the things that actually pushed me away from World of Warcraft. It was a user add-on that basically took the item level of everything that your character was wearing or had in their inventory and averaged it and said that your power level is equal to this, essentially, that your gear score is this, that you would be at 200 or 300 or whatever it is. And it was so popular that people started running pickup groups with a minimum requirement on what they deemed you 
your power level to, uh, was necessary. There was nothing in the game that said this. There was nothing that said, oh, you need to be at X point to be able to run this content. But people started putting their own arbitrary numbers on it. And even if you were one or two points below, they wouldn't let you in these groups. And there was no automatic queuing at this point. So it was so popular that they ended up including this in the base UI for the game now. It's changed from being called gear score to item level or eye level. And it's in almost every MMO now. Final Fantasy XIV, I know, runs it as well, where there is a hard cut point where that is considered a minimum for you to run any kind of dungeon or raid and you have to gear up to the point to go in and to me that is one of the most ruining experiences in an MMO is at the point where I'm physically gated from getting into the content that I hated attunement quests as well and was glad when they took those out because if I want to be able to go experience that content, and I guess I'm making a point for the modding as well in single player games, that if I want to experience that content, even if I am not at the point which the developers think I should be, I want to go do that, have my friends bring me through or do anything that I want to that way. Or, you know, if I want to take down, if I want to bring down the group and be the one who's actually being carried through. You know, if they're cool with it, they should let me. But I not physically being able to get into the thing, into the dungeons is where it's at now. And I absolutely hate it. And yeah. it came from these add-ons in World of Warcraft. And that is my nerd ragey rant about that. That's why I'm anti-mod uh, <laughs> is because of stuff like that. The, the exclusionary properties that came from the exclusionary tendencies that came from the community around those kinds of mods. I agree with your statements about that kind of mods and how they've become exclusionary and gotten into so many MMOs. But I, I think that at some point you owe it to yourself to go back to some of these open world games and play around yeah. with mods because that seems to be where they shine. Games like Skyrim and Oblivion, um, things like The Witcher 3, you know, these are the places where there are really cool mods being made. Um, sometimes they change the gameplay. A lot of the time they just change some cosmetic things or like quality of life things in the game. Next time you play one of those, please look at Steam Workshop. There might be something there for you, even though you hate these mods from like the MMO scene. I promise you that I will, because as you were saying that before, even before you said Skyrim, I was like, I'm waiting to do another playthrough of Skyrim. But or, or at least even continuing the one that I've got went until they do the whatever the update is for the super mega high res textures that they're implementing. So I will definitely mod it and give it a shot at that point. As I go through and experience all the DLC for the first time, I will definitely be doing it with mods and, and playing around that way. Cool. And that being said, if any of you out there have a cool mod or uh, another example of like difficulty levels or difficulty ratings to share with us, or if you have a speed run that you'd like to share, hit us up because we would love to see it or hear about it or dig into it a little bit deeper. I think I would, you would, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be able to see what other people are doing on that, especially, you know, when it comes to the difficulty setting, I want to know what people are playing on easy or super hard because that's the kind of thing that super interests me. Yeah. Is I, I want to, I'm nosy. Like more than anything, I'm just nosy. I want to know how you play your games. So, dear listeners, reach out. You know the places you can find us. Otherwise, we always say them at the end of the show. But we should probably get on to our Weekly Geekery uh, for True. time purposes. If you don't know, Weekly Geekery is where we share what we've been <laughs> geeking out about this particular week. Um, what do you have this week? I've been watching Gravity Falls this week. It's finally on Hulu. I waited forever to have a chance to do it. It wasn't even on Amazon streaming, I don't believe. And it is... 
a very fun show about these two kids in Oregon who are in this weird town that living with their uncle at, for the summer. And there's all these monsters and weird stuff around. There's rainbow vomiting gnomes. And <laughs> it's it's just really a weird, wacky TV show. But there's a whole lot of heart, and it is legitimately funny. It is one of the few shows that I've found that makes me laugh out loud by myself. And that is my highest regard. That is my highest comment on a show is that if it makes me laugh when I'm completely alone instead of just like, hmm, that's funny. If it makes me go, ha, 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 when I'm completely alone, it's worth your time. And Gravity Falls has made me do that. It is so weird and wacky that, you know, it makes me laugh. I don't know if you'll like it, though, Void. That's what I, I was going to ask. It. I was going to ask, would I like this one? It a lot of the humor comes. You might because you like The Witcher, um, actually, but you might like it. A lot of its stuff is entrenched in horror tradition. Uh. That there is that they're playing with different kinds of horror tropes from uh. it because it's this really creepy, like haunted woods, and like th- th- he finds this book. The 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 male character finds this book that is telling the the secret history of this town, what to watch out for. So there's things like zombies and gnomes and monsters, but there's always this weird take on them and so you might like it because it's weird but it does have horror qualities to it so give it watch the first episode and you might like it because it is pretty wacky and funny even that being just a pilot okay i'm willing to give most things a try but yeah the horror tropes might throw me off it actually kind of it's a cartoon right it is a cartoon okay so that kind of ties into my weekly geekery. I've been watching. I don't. I don't really watch cartoons. I mean, I did as a kid, but as an adult, I know a lot of adults still watch cartoons. I don't generally, but I've been watching the Netflix original version of Voltron that just came out in the last few weeks because so many people on my Twitter feed were talking about how amazing it was. Like, I I can't believe how many different people were talking about it at the same time. I never got into Voltron as a kid. It's not a show I had watched. Yeah. I mean, I I watched cartoons as a kid, but Voltron wasn't one of them. So this is my first time coming to Voltron, and I kind of love it, which is good. It's weird. I mean, it's a bunch of kids who get recruited to be space paladins, and they all have a unique weapon, and they're, you know, they're color coded, and they match, and they get giant flying lions that hook together to become a giant mech, which is a trope that we grew up with in a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. And... It's fun. Like, I like it. I'm almost done with the the first season, which is all that's out there on the Netflix original series right now. Um, I'm going to finish it this week, probably. But I wanted to put that out there because it was it was weird for me to find a cartoon that I actually liked. So Voltron is part of my weekly geekery, and it kind of ties into the other half. Um, The Steam sale was the last week. And I picked up a bunch of games. Some of them were okay. Some of them were duds. The one that I really liked is Chroma Squad. And I heard about it on the AgroChat podcast, which if you haven't listened to that, check them out because they are fantastic. Um, it is fun. As their game of the month. And Chroma Squad is a turn-based strategy game, and it's basically Power Rangers. Like, <laughs> it's behind the scenes of a Power Rangers-like show where they don't really have a plot, but they want to beat up other guys and turn it into a TV show. So the thing that makes it really fun is that it's not that difficult to defeat a battle and like complete it, but you have a bunch of director's notes and you have to complete certain things to get extra audience and <laughs> extra fans and like build your fan base. So it might be defeat all the minions before you defeat the boss or defeat the boss with like uh. a team attack 
or things like that, you know, that that twist what you're trying to do in the battle. It's really cool. And then eventually you get a giant mech there, too. I guess giant mechs <laughs> is kind of my theme of the week. But that one is really fun. If you ever watch Power Rangers or what's that genre called? Is it Sentai? Maybe that sounds right. I think I it's I think it's Sentai, Sentai yeah. shows. The the shows where, you know, it's kind of like teenage kids and then they they morph or they change or they have like a suit of power suit that they yep. put on and then you get a giant mech. It's it's the same genre as Voltron kind of. Um so yeah, yeah. a little weird for me. Neither of these things are things I'm usually all that into, but the Netflix original Voltron and Chroma Squad, and I guess I recommend both of them because I've been having a lot of fun with them. That's fantastic. And I grew up with Voltron, so that was one where I was really hesitant. I haven't seen the Netflix original because it was one of those things that has such a, a nostalgic just place of wonder as a kid that I just love. I had the the die-cast metal, you know, articulated lions when I was growing up. Wow. Not all of them. I couldn't actually form Voltron, but I had, I had a couple of them. And I loved these. So when I saw a Netflix original was coming out, I avoided it. That this was something that I wasn't, I was like, nope. I, every remake of any of the stuff like that that I've ever loved with He-Man, with anything I hated. So I just saw Voltron and I just threw my hands. I'm like, uh-uh, not even going to try it. But if it's really that good, then I am. And it's like you said, it's kind of like me. When something makes me laugh out loud, it's really good. If you're going to sit down and watch a cartoon, it has to be really good. Yes. Then I am... I'm really tempted to go and watch that whenever I work through some of my other stuff. Well, now I really want you to watch it because I want to know what you think coming from the original Voltron because that's a perspective I don't have. But yeah, I, right. I, I don't watch a lot of cartoons and I'm liking this one. So I feel like you probably would. I hope. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to. I, I'm very intrigued by it now. And I love the Sentai shows. I, I love Power Rangers and Big Bad Beetleborgs and Ultraman oh. and all of this stuff. I, yeah, you remember Beetleborgs now. I do. It's all coming back. Yeah, I love this stuff. Being a kid in the 90s so is called coming back. It sure is. Oh, okay. Well, if you guys have any Sentai shows to send <laughs> us or any of the other things we talked about today, um, as always, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com. I haven't actually mentioned it in a while, but if you guys can go on iTunes and leave us a review or a rating, it is one of the best things you can do to spread the word of our show. We know there's a lot of listeners out there, and we're still only sitting at like 42 ratings, I think. Please, please, please leave a rating. It makes a huge difference. Please. You wouldn't even believe it. I refresh that page multiple times a day to see if we have a new one. I will notice uh -huh. if you leave one, and I will be super happy. And I, I promise that if you leave a review and I ever see you in public, then I will give you a hug for it. Who doesn't want a beach hug? Or if you don't want a hug, he also won't in public. It's up it's to you. True. It's up to it's you, true. listeners. Um, or sorry, I got I got detoured <laughs> a little. You can reach us on Twitter at Geek to Geekcast together. Um, at Geek to Geekcast as a team together. You know what I mean. If you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's green mushroom without the E's, on Twitter. I also run Video Game News Now podcast, which is also on our network. If you're interested in getting video game news headlines quickly, you can check that out on all the major podcast services. 
And I suggest that you do that because that is honestly how I know about most of what's going on in gaming these days. Uh, do that. Uh, and I am on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I also host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast, which is also a part of our network, where you can also go and download all of the normal podcast places. And you can also be lovelies and check out all of my show notes and episodes on geekfitness.net slash podcast. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye bye.